Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. And it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Sure, I am Dan Hammond. And I am Rope Schindler. And I'm Matt Kirk. And collectively, you guys are Section 31. Minus, minus one, but... But most of Section 31. Welcome to the show, guys. This is certainly how we started. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, you guys just celebrated your 100th show. Congratulations, Dan and Rogue. How did that feel? Shock. Uh, um, unreal. Did, I mean, the numbers kind of kind of dial up on the, like, on the gas meter, but uh, you, know, you don't really pay attention. It's just, what's the next one? So that we know which one to introduce. <laughs> When we record each week. Yeah, and how many cards you're supposed to draw, so... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I'll bet when you when you picked that sign-off, Dan, you didn't think you'd be getting up this high. No, you know, I figured... <laughs> I, I, had, I think I had it planned out to around 12, and it was kind of short-sighted, apparently. <laughs> I think we've managed to do them occasionally on and off, where we're actually drawing that number, but... At some point, it just it, it it turned into a certain number of points, or a number of personnel, or or yeah. some attribute total, yeah, and, and then we just had to stop. One point five reference one week. What was That's that? Right. You said charge something to energy <laughs> jam. <laughs> That's right. The project trick. That was awesome. Uh, that just proves you guys have been around for a long time. So, well, the first, the first quote-unquote Star Trek CCG podcast, I remember, is Radio Free Decipher back in the day. And yeah. then, you guys remember that at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was great. I think I, I saved a lot of the... I remember they had they had posted links when they were putting out wars to a lot of the like soundtracky stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I saved all that stuff, because that's, that's great to throw on in the background when you're playing a role-playing game or something. Definitely. Well, that's what we use... For the first episode, that's was, right. Was making making like it was Wars Radio Week number whatever it was. <laughs> I remember <laughs> and that. Rogue's, and then Rogue saying, "Oh, Dan, what are you doing?" Yeah, I still have about I think we had five or six cuts of that trying to get it right. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty silly. So after that, and I remember Matt, you did a show. What was what was it called? I couldn't remember it. I know I was on it, and I couldn't for life of me remember what it was called. Because <laughs> I don't like to lose. What what made you want to do that and and get into this whole thing? That is a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just uh, the technology had just started coming out, and podcasting was still a relatively new thing in two thousand four or whenever it was when I started doing it. Um, you know, I listened to Radio Free Decipher, and then they started doing um, 
the they, they started changing it with like Wars Radio and a bunch of other stuff and um, so I wanted to see if I could make one that was a little more or I should say a little less uh, cheerleader-ish and a little more um, based on like the actual experiences of the of the players and interview players and uh, just getting backgrounds on some uh, higher ranked people that um, not everybody may know of because they didn't get a chance to go out to the worlds or whatever. So it was less about promoting the game and more about promoting the players. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean the first um, the first person I interviewed. Let's see, who was that? I think it was John. Yeah. Yeah, I think John was the first guy that I interviewed, and then it was uh, Johnny Oliva here. I'll say it right, because I didn't say it right before. Um, but just, yeah, and actually the, the, the episode that I remember I had the best time with was the interview with Evan. That was pretty cool. Um, That's Evan Lorenz, right? One of the yeah. designers? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was really the first time I'd had to you know, have that kind of one-on-one with him, um, talking about a bunch of stuff. He was working at Sony Denver at that point on a new game, and so I kind of conned him into it. But I was like, hey, why don't you come on the show? We'll, we'll talk about this new thing. And I put a little bit of it in at the end, but not that much. Awesome. So what led you to Section 31 and the idea to do this podcast? Well, I quickly discovered that I am very uninteresting to listen to as a host. Um, I, I tend to um, worry about exact phrasing of things, and I tend to do a lot of takes and want to get it just right, and um, it's pretty. It was pretty time consuming on you know just recording and then going back and picking the right cut and da, 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 da. so um, that's one of the reasons why I don't like to do this one by the wayside because it was just too much. Um, Those shows were very well produced though. I mean, <laughs> you had sound effects, you had musical interludes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't mind doing, I mean, that's that's the fun part, putting all the little bells and whistles in, that's that's the part I really like, but um, as far as um, just the actual content, picking picking which cuts to use and, you know, finding where I don't sound like a complete moron um, was, uh, was the real challenge. So when it came around to, what was it, 2008, in January, where we finally decided to we were, I mean, it was, it was right after Phoenix turn. I think it was like the day after we were still up in Carlsbad and we were just in the, in the, the big, um, HOA room and, um, we were, ah, we were, um, just going back and forth about, Hey, we should totally do a, a new podcast and this and that. And, and Rogue and Dan were just kind of like, you think so? And I'm like, yeah, you guys totally have radio voices and, they're like, oh, okay. So, and then our, our first episode was interesting. We had a, we, we actually had three computers set up. We had mine. <laughs> it was really, uh, let's see. We, we weren't using Skype. We were actually like hardwired in. That's why for the first episode you hear Dan 
in one ear and Rogue in the other. Um, it was a little disorienting. I had them on different channels. Um, so, and then I was I was over on my computer. I had a whiteboard that I was writing notes on, and I was you know trying to show both of them stuff to say during the show, and they were like, "What? I can't read it." And so we were like, "Okay, never mind. I'll just stop and say it." So, um, but Skype is really really handy because you know you can chat during a call. You can just you know type something in and, and have people read it, you know, so it's like passing them a note um, on, on the air. So um, that was that was very helpful in making those early episodes. So how did you guys pick the name? Um, spitballed, spitballed for quite some time. Yeah, I think it was since the continuing committee was Romulan, we needed to do something else intelligence-based, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's Probably part of it. I'm back in 2002, 2003. We had a <clears throat> we had a email group set up, a listserv for um, some of the top level players, and we actually called it Section 32. Um, and Chris Herb was on that, and Justin Beal was on it, and um, I think one of the Minnesota guys was. And uh, anyway, it, it went on for a while, but um, when uh, when Tui started um, petering out, um, that kind of went by the wayside, and then the continuing community site got up. And so, um, I think the thing that really sealed it, though, was I think Rogue initially had the idea of there's this really cool song that this new band called Warp Eleven put out, and if we could if we could get them to say yes and use it as our theme song, that should be the name of the show. Well, that, yeah, that pretty much locked it. Yeah. That's actually one of my questions I was going to bring up later. Rogue, how how did you get the permission from them to do that and and what what led you to meet to to to, to sorry, what exposed you to Warp 11 and, and brought that piece of the puzzle to the show? And he's Did I lose him? Uh, he's absent. Yes. He is disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> so while we wait for Rogue to come back, uh, we have a fourth guest who just joined us, uh, the current producer. Matt is the former producer, and, and the current producer is uh, Thomas Kimura, right? Did I say that right? Thomas? BK, are you there? Awesome. Oh. <laughs> Helps if you treat him TK, are you there? Put your headphones on, dude. You know, it's funny. This is what a lot of the show is. <laughs> yes, I, I will not edit this. This is, this is, if you guys, <laughs> when are we well, doing it? It's funny because we use the same computers week in and week out, and it never fails that I'll stop. Can you hear me? There you go. A lot of scratching going on there. What do you want, the moon base or what? You dragging your mic across something there? That's wow. Hello? Tranquility base come in. Hello? Can you hear us? TK is landing. I can hear you, but you can't hear us. I can hear you now. Hey. Alright, we got some. Turn down your speakers maybe because you got some feedback. Okay. And the microwave is going off. Or your metal detecting. <laughs> so I think that was the red thing. You're moving towards the green thing. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? Much better. Introduce Much better. yourself for us, sir. 
I'm sorry? Introduce yourself for us. Oh, I'm uh, TK, Thomas Camara. I'm the current producer. I put it all together now. Awesome. So we were talking about... Uh, hadn't re- this has been doing four people at once. This is not editing magic, so there's a little chaos going on. But uh, <laughs> Rogue, I was asking about how you were exposed to Warp 11 and how you got permission to use their awesome song in your show. Well, uh, yeah, Warp 11 uh, is actually... We got exposed to them at Gen Con SoCal, uh, the short-lived uh, red-headed stepchild of Gen Con, as it were. Uh, they performed at, at the first Gen Con SoCal, and I think uh, one of us picked up... I can't even remember who uh, picked up their first CD. I think it might have been Matt. Uh, like, I heard of them in passing, and then I, I kind of wanted to go, and then I didn't, and I think uh, Matt had their first, their second CD, or maybe Dan did, and uh, we all that. listened to it on a, on a I drive. Would have, I would not have bought an album of such uh, ill repute. Well, then, uh, uh, one way or another, one of us had it, and we listened to it on, a, on our way to a, a tournament in Pasadena, actually, and, uh, and it was just hilariously just foully uh, a hilarious Star Trek punk rock uh, uh, you know just not not punk rock but like heavy metal rock uh, and it was I mean they weren't song parodies and it wasn't you know they weren't like they might be giants trying to be funny they were just a metal band who liked to sing their songs about Star Trek and dress up in uniforms for their concerts uh, and dress up in uniforms but uh, it was just uh, you know uh, we have a lot of trouble. I'm sure Matt and, and TK all the time have uh, editing issues trying to find lyric sections clean enough to put on the show. I can't, uh, you know, there's only a handful of, of songs that you, you can even play it, uh, with a PG rating. Uh, but luckily, Section 31 happens to be one of them. They, did, they went with a whole kind of uh, James Bond theme for the for the music in that song and it's all about uh you know being the secret ninja spy in section 31 and it's such a it's a great guitar riff uh song and, and it, you know it's, I, I love section 31 is the idea of a intelligence gathering podcast um, after we discovered that dan's initial idea of the escape pod was was already taken by a was it a short fiction sci-fi fiction podcast or something like that? Oh, I don't even remember. Well, that was but, the, uh, one of the things we checked was if there was another podcast called Section Thirty One. There was, but it was like a drama something. It was like a, a, a fan made show, radio drama something or other, and it only lasted for four episodes. And I was like, eh, whatever. So when we decided that, I. I uh, I just went to their website. We had uh, we've been fans since we were introduced, and you know we got uh, I downloaded all their their albums on uh, on iTunes and uh, listened to them frequently. And when the Section Thirty One song came out on their at the time most recent album, I just sent a message to their through their website. You know, hey Captain Carl, you know we are going to do this podcast about this card game. Here's a link to the continuing committee site. You know, we would love to use your song as our intro. Uh, maybe a few of your other songs as, as, you know, outro or a bit music. And, you know, we would love to, you know, we could credit you or, you know, put banners on our website or whatever. And, you know, but we don't want to do anything unless it's okay with you. What 
do you think? And I got a three-word reply. Anyone? Go for it. No. Make it so. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I, <laughs> I actually, uh, uh, just as an aside, uh, since we're talking about them, like two or three years later, I guess it must have been two years because it was last the last time I went to Gen Con. I swear I totally saw him on our plane home from Gen Con because uh, I know they're gamers and uh, uh, Captain Carl in particular. And uh, we our our flight stopped in Phoenix and we were getting off for our connection and our plane was continuing on to Sacramento, which is where Warp Eleven is from. And I kept seeing this guy two seats behind us and across the aisle looked really familiar. He was kind of bald and had that really intense look about him, and I was like, you know, that's a bunch of people at, at Gen Con, you know. He, could well, be he does have some crazy eyes. And uh, and then uh, the guy next to him was wearing a Warp 11 shirt, and I was like, that's Captain Carl. And I was like, uh, I, you know, I did, I, we were just getting up to leave, and I didn't have time to talk to him or say anything, and so I just kind of flashed him a, their sort of signature thing is the, the, the live long and prosper salute, but done in with such attitude as to be the sort of rock on horns, nice. uh, and it's fairly specific. But if you if you've seen them do it, it's not fairly obvious. And I, I kind of tried to do that, and, and he grinned and shot me a, a thumbs up. So pretty sure it was them. Wanted to say thanks for the for the songs, but uh, you know we've we've sent them thank yous, and we thank them in every show. So absolutely. Didn't we put together like a care package of some starters or something at one point for them? Or we had talked about it. Um, you may have done that. No, I, 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 don't, I was not aware of it. At that point, Dan was the uh, Dan had taken over the caretaker. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure if like that was some, something you did as the producer, and we were not aware of how cool that was. But uh, no. that would have been a good idea. Yeah. So, one one of the premises of the show originally was to be somewhat adversarial to the continuing committee. And, and there are still threads of that today, but what, what, I mean, to, to be what you guys started, I think in, in January or February of 2008, which was in literally months after the I mean, continuing committee started and officially went up in the first week in January of 2008, but really started about 20 minutes after the, announcement that Decipher was ending the game in December. Was it intended to be sort of a, a differing point of view all the time and, and arguing devil's advocate, or was it really just meant to be more commentary and, and the, the adversarial part was played up for showmanship? Well, I mean, initially, I guess that was one of the... <clears throat> one of the... Uh, reasons that you know we were getting the continuing committee off the ground and you know i i don't know if i got asked or it got thrown around or they're saying you know one of the things that we should do is make a podcast and i was like oh i bet i could do that and um so instead of you know making a big um well i mean before i went out and started you know casting a uh continuing committee podcast you know i just asked Rogan dan and it kind of grew out grew out from there because a lot of the early um, continuing committee um, policy was not, mm, I want to say it wasn't, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't popular, but it wasn't popular because of the uh, 
uh, intent behind it, but just because of the lack of information. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole uh, trying to get intelligence to see if we could wrap our heads around why the continuing committee was doing stuff early on that didn't seem to make any sense. I guess that was the that was the angle at first, but uh, you know, over the years that's kind of changed because you know I've left the committee and, and Dan's joined, and so now it's you know more of a joint venture rather than a adversarial kind of thing. Dan Rogue, yeah. how, how about you guys? No, it's, I, I, it, it, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. It's funny. We we uh, we're really good at not talking over each other until there's four people in the room, and then you know we can't stop. <laughs> um, it's 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 a fun joke to to continue on. You know, like when when we have Charlie on, you know, he's drugged and he's, we're ex- extracting information from him. Um, but really, that you know, it's kind of gone the wayside. I, you know, I'm a member of the continuing committee. I have the warehouse out the back, so it's 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 not as easy to make that joke anymore. Yeah, Still I, funny. I think a lot of that is, but I mean, it was started as, as and it was kind of hyperbole as as part of the the showmanship perspective. But uh, uh to to add a sort of a, a a bit of sincerity to it, it is you know we we do make a point of try to. I mean, I, I know Charlie and I have this kind of uh, discussion every now and then. Is that like I, I really don't pull any punches as far as expressing my opinion of what's going on, and and sometimes it's it's not an entirely informed opinion, and and that's that's frequently a, a pretty decent representation of what's going on out there. So it it actually ends up being a sometimes I have justified uh, concerns and they need to be aired, and sometimes. I'm being fairly reactionary to news that I've just heard because uh, I'm not as informed. The forums are, I, I'm a really slow reader, so it's really hard for me to keep up the forums, but sort of a, a mirror of our lifetime relationship is, is me getting reactionary and angry about something and Dan said, saying, well, did you know this? And, and also this, and there's also maybe this other information coming. So why don't you wait and, and judge that? So our sort of natural, you know, me running in where angels feel your fear to tread and, and Dan sucking me down with logic, as it were, uh, is, is, is kind of a nice just, uh, I guess, reflection for the audience who may be on either side of that to see the opposite. Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. I wanted to pass on a real quick compliment for for all of you guys. Uh, I was sitting in the chat room when I mentioned that I was interviewing you, and uh, Gooey Chewy said to send along his compliments, and that he started listening to Section Thirty One for the spoilers, and he stayed for the commentary. So. <laughs> nice, excellent. That was an early carrot. It was the uh, <laughs> okay? Don't tune us out. We do have a spoiler, and then we have it at the very end. I think the first. Yeah. One was <laughs> Dancing. So for one of those, for that one listener still out there, and the grown said, "Hi, mom," or something like that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I totally forgot about that. <sighs> I will say that we've given you guys. Uh, it's kind of a running joke, but we've given you spoilers that have subsequently ceased to exist. So <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, you guys really do get information very early in the process. So. All right, TK, tell me a little bit about 
how you're producing the shows now and what you have to do and what you get and how you turn it into the awesome show we hear today. Well, um, I think since I came on board, I made some changes to the software we use, kind of uh, in the sense of streamlining it a little bit. Um, Dan and Dan and Rogue record a raw file of the show um, on Mondays, and then when they're done, um, they I've implemented an FTP site so they can transport transfer it to me from their house uh, to me and I could get it that same night and start working on it um, I think before Matt were you guys uh like physically passing the file between each other no the um, what we used to do was um, to have everybody on Skype and I would um, redirect the feed through my computer so that it was, I had an input that was going directly to uh, GarageBand. Um, well, that was one of the features that GarageBand could do early on was podcasting. And so, um, again, that was just one of the other <clears throat> things that got me interested in, uh, in trying to actually, you know, produce one and see how well it would, how well it would do. And it worked, you know, fairly well. And uh, the inputs would go um, directly to the uh, recording so I, all I would do after I was done would would be just to look at the file and um, go back and make cuts and whatnot. Oh, okay. So, um, but that's one of the that's one of the differences that the, that the show has gone through is early on it was a little bit shorter format. Um, I, I think eventually we got into the whole you know seventeen oh one seventeen minutes and one second um, time format. Um, we broke that a couple times, like for for episode thirty one, we made a thirty one minute episode because it was extra long and cool, and uh, that was when Race the Stakes came out, and we had Brad and Charlie both on. Um, but I mean, that that was one of the evolutions of the show. Was early on, it was a little more, uh, I want to say polished, but it was it was definitely more edited. It was more. Uh, it, it took a, it took a lot longer to 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 cut the files down into um, the, the, the given format. And now it's, it feels a little more, you know, conversational and um, it's a longer format, so you can just put it on while you're building a deck and go do something. So, um, yeah, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the, the style, and that grew out of, um, I think, Dan Rogue's um, desire to just have, have a more conversational type of show rather than an agenda with these are the topics. Um, I mean, they still have topics, but it's, it's more of a, it's more of a freeform conversation that, you know, eventually we're going to talk about this when it comes up and not, you know, here's topic one and here's a bumper, here's topic two and here's a bumper. So it's a little less formulaic now, but I think that helps with the, with the feel of the show. I think it makes it feel less, uh, Less artificial. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Rogue FTPs me the file, and then I and then I use a program called Gold Wave to kind of weave that music file, the intro file, all together into you know what the user hears. Now I FTP that to Dan, and then Dan puts it onto the website. So it kind of passes all. We, we each touch it in a way. 
Um, and we all do it from the comfort of our houses. How much chopping up do you do to it? I mean, how how much stuff ends up on the cutting room floor? Um. Well, it really depends. Sometimes some, there's some weeks when we have some audio kind of bandwidth problems, so it's kind of choppy, and I have to clean it up because you know there's there's a week where Dan sounds like a Cylon, or um. That's really that's really a tough one. Um, sometimes I don't even touch it at all. I just insert music and you know take something funny that Rogue says and put it at the very beginning or. Uh, actual problems that like I don't want the the, the, the listener to hear. Uh, not very often. I think I edit more to uh, you know take those hidden gems and put them at the end of the file. Uh, there's been three or four people recently that have come to me and said, "Hey man, how come there's no funny stuff at the end of the show? I was looking for it." And, and and I do that kind of stuff more, I think, now that Dan and Dan and Rogue are becoming more polished at recording. It's more of a one and done as opposed to a, oh, cut that out, let's do it over kind of thing. So not too much anymore, uh, but there are times when I do it. Awesome. See, I have, I have great respect for both of you because I simply don't edit mine because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I take out stuff that's spoilers or stuff that... with a computer crashes or excessively long pauses, but I don't edit it because I am, I spent way too much time producing Make It So when we did that, and I was like, I'm going to do their podcast, but I'm not editing a damn thing, so. <laughs> I do, I, I would have to say, when Charlie comes onto the show, I do have to edit, edit quite a lot, because he likes to, you know, bring up a spoiler and then, hold on, I need to go look for it in my files. <laughs> <laughs> I also talk too much. So, so that requires some editing. And, you know, initially when they're setting up, starting the show, hey, you know, mic check, mic check, that kind of thing. They talk about what they're going to talk about. And then they, and then Dan starts with the intro, and that's where I clip it. So, you know, it kind of, you have to listen through it and know where to do it. That's just more like basic housekeeping stuff, but more of the technical stuff, not too much. I would say not anymore. All right, well, I promise next time I'm on the show I'll be prepared and I will uh, try not to ramble on like a moron because I can do that on my own show. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Rogue just dropped again. We'll get him back on there. But, Dan, tell me what, what – how do you guys decide on your topic for the week? It's interesting because sometimes we will email like, you know, Sunday night. Uh, yeah, we have a show on Monday. What do you want to talk about? Uh, sometimes it's easy because we just had a tournament. Sometimes it's not, and we'll we'll you know we'll we'll troll the boards looking for a topic to talk about. Or actually, when we uh, when we set up for the hundredth episode and everyone posted all those questions, man, we have a gold mine of things to talk about from now until episode two hundred. Let me tell you, it's gonna be nice. Um, so half the show is usually us talking about the tournament, and the other half is us just talking about whatever we feel like <laughs> and apparently that's entertaining to people so we, we just keep doing it you know you know dan I, I really did like that that on the forum how we made that post for the hundred for the hundredth episode it really felt like you know we're involving the listener in the show <laughs> and it really did you're right it really did make it easier for us all the ideas they gave us 
You know, well, and, and it's cool too because it's stuff that we know that the listener wants to hear. Yeah, I, when that went up, I was like, "Yeah, no one's gonna reply to this, and we're gonna look like morons." But <laughs> there were so many replies that it was it was really nice to see, and we've got lots of stuff to talk about for a long time. Yeah, it's yeah, almost like. Go ahead, Rogue. I'm just because I basically the same thing. I'm really excited that that time we got more than you know two or three responses, and uh, that everybody was so up for it. And uh, you know, we actually kind of got a little backlog when we did uh, 100 when we did it uh, because we had a tournament that weekend, a tournament the week before, and a tournament this weekend, and we just had to catch up on all of that for 101. But I think 102, we're definitely going to dive into the rest of those posts that we didn't get to uh, get to get to, and we'll have material for. For a while. Yeah, it's like some kind soul put a link to your post on the front page of the website. wonder who that would have been. It is. <laughs> it's almost like it was more visible so more people would know it was there and could go on. <laughs> so, are there any topics that are taboo for Section 31? You know, it's so. funny. We, we, we kind of shy away from some of the major huge debates because... They can go on and on in the boards forever. And since we record on Monday, and it usually doesn't go out until Thursday, that there might be a resolution to what we were talking about before it comes out. So if there's something, I, you know, we, we try not to touch on really topical things, unless it's been going on for a while. And then even even then, we try not to really dig in and really take sides. But we'll, we'll try, try to discuss it a little bit. I mean, at least, uh, if nothing else, we bring it up. Uh, that's a big thing, is just, uh, you know, if something... Uh, occasionally, you know, obviously legacy is the big hot-button issue right now, and, and everybody seems to have an opinion on it, but sometimes there are things that just people aren't aware of that are issues that they're buried deep somewhere in the message boards, and then maybe not everybody's picked up on it, or, you know, things are happening in one meta that aren't happening in another, and so it's, you know, as a... a an intelligence delivery service, you know, Federation News Service or, or whatever, you know, just to kind of bring it up and uh, it's nice to sort of propagate that information and see if, is anybody else dealing with this? Are you having the same problem? Do you, is it a complete, with the complete opposite happening in your meta or, or whatnot? So uh, more of, I guess, presenting additional arguments or, uh, or whatever just to try to propagate the, the information a little bit. I think it was less. Scale. A, I think it was less of an issue of when we started the show. If things were going to be taboo, but just focusing on what exactly are, is going to be the scope of the show and what is not. Like you know, it, very rarely have we done dream cards on the show because that's not really what the show is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about what's actually happening as opposed to what we want to happen. Um, and. Uh, we don't really do a whole lot of commentary on other playgroups, you know, trash talk, any any of that stuff. I mean, again, that's not that's not in the purview of the of the, of the show. It's it's you know, it, we try to stay to the to the uh, to the facts as much as possible, and then offer opinions based on the facts. Or as Rogue said, um, sometimes a good show is him coming in half-cocked and Dan calming him down and then saying, oh, well, I still don't like it, but maybe in a week my I'll, I'll change my mind. So. Yeah, I, I definitely think, the, and I know you guys touched on this in your 100th episode, which was awesome, by the way. Kudos to everybody. But uh, 
the the interplay between Dan and Rogue is uh, definitely one of the highlights of the show. <laughs> so, and I will. I you guys are interesting. I've met. I've met <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get some new things to argue about. I <laughs> You were right, Matt. We are apparently. And they do that in real life too. Yeah, I was gonna say I've met these guys a couple times, and they're like that. They do this. They they do the same thing. <laughs> and that's kind of what the show has evolved into. Originally, it was it was very well produced, and it was something that man, it was like professional. <laughs> and in, in later times, it's just kind of evolved into just a a conversation, you know, just just start at yeah. the beginning and we ramble on for. Jeez, we just recorded our 101st episode, and it was almost 45 minutes or an hour of just us talking about tournaments and stuff. So. Um, I, I, I can only say that it has to be easier to edit when we just start at the beginning and then just keep going and then we end it. I remember when we started, Dan, you were like, you were very uncomfortable with the idea of sort of any kind of structure and, and uh, you know, even just setting down a, a, an outline of what was going to happen. And you kept telling me, I really want this to be like, you know, just, just a couple of guys sitting down and talking. And I was yeah. like, and that what was talking like, about, and I that was like, that was like around yeah, I mean, I, when I was doing my show, you know, I needed a structure. I needed there to be a beginning and a middle and an end. So when I, whenever I tried to send them stuff and they just kind of rambled on, I was like, well, okay, I'll guess I'll find it in there somewhere. And so, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's, I think that's pretty apparent in the earlier episodes. I know when Matt and, and me, we, uh, he passed it off to me. I noticed in a lot of the files that I got from him, they were typed out uh, transcripts. Is that what you call them? Uh, he typed out everything they said, you know, turn by turn by turn by turn. And and I just thought to myself, wow, you know, like in the first episode, he, everything was typed out that they said. It was a big, long text file. And I was like, wow, he, he took the time to write everything down and that that was some structure there i gotta say i i don't think i have the patience for that so i, I, I think that's okay. kind of um hey, hang on tk i have no idea what you're talking about i didn't write <laughs> when, when you gave me you gave me a cd i asked you for all your edits and your clips and stuff like that uh-huh and in one, in one of the files was a notepad where um, okay. you typed out everything that they said. Wow. I oh, yeah, know like what, line I, for line, line, I, line for an entire hour. I bet I know what he's talking about, Matt. Okay. Because there wasn't there's exact there's one show that we we scripted as a group for a particular reason because we wanted to have a conversation with Captain Kabok. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, wow, what kind of dedication and, is that? You know? And uh, and TK doesn't know what that what we're talking about because the reason that was done is because Captain Kavok is all sound clips from that thing, Star Trek DVD game. And so to make it flow properly, he had to script, we had to script it all up so that whatever Captain Kavok was saying as a clip from the game would make sense. That was. We never actually did that. No, we didn't. Because it was dreaded, and we're like, oh god, this is awful. And, uh, <laughs> and we're like, 
<laughs> we will think this is hilarious, and everybody will be just like, what the hell are we doing in the middle of the show? So explain to me how you could possibly get you, the one who is moving now, to fit into a conversation. <laughs> You know, it was like, oh, hey, how's it going, Captain Kavok? And he's, you know, he'd have to say something appropriate. And it was, so it would be funny. I would, it's, why don't you send me that back? I want to see exactly what we wrote down because I don't think I have it anymore. <laughs> if I were playing against you and I were to play dilemmas, and then before you looked at the top dilemma, I realized suddenly that I had, I had overcosted and I decided to take one of those back. Uh, how would you react to that? I would please you. Today's stasis feels. Wow. You guys are goofy. So, So, yeah, that was, was, I think, the difference. I mean, Matt's were more structured and clean and professional, and I think mine are more conversational when I let some things, you know, slip. And that really fits my style as well. I mean, if you gave me a bunch of lines to read, I would have to take about six tries to get it right, and there is evidence of this. But if you just go improv all the way and just say what you need, you know, that's that's probably where I fit a little bit better. And, you know, as an actor, I was fine doing the line, so when, when Dan was like, just talk, I was like, but like improv? I don't know what that is, let's just talk. Like, all right, fine, so, uh, but, you know, it being Dan, I had no problems just sitting and talking. And I think those, we've said before, those are some of our best shows when we just get on a roll of of chatting uh, and, and sometimes tangenting. So, is the time delay ever frustrating or or tough for you guys when you've been given a spoiler or some preview of an announcement? Because there have been times when uh, Section 31 has obtained an announcement that's going up on Friday, for example, so that you can talk about it on your show on Monday and then put your show up on Friday, and it's like, oh, we're talking about what you guys just found out about. And now that I know know that Dan and Rogue are uh, frequenting the chat room more and more, has it ever come up where somebody's talking about what you know about in the chat room and you have to constantly bite your tongue? Does Does that ever come up or frustrate you? Sometimes. <laughs> it was like the worst, the worst leading question ever. I just, you know, answered for you. But anyway. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it come, you know, we used to play test, so it, it's not terribly new concepts for, you know, saying, man, this sucks. Why is that like that? Like, well, you know, who knows? Maybe something will come up in the next set that will fix that or help that. Um, but I wouldn't know wink, one wink. way or the other. <laughs> Yeah, wink, wink, hit, hit nudge, nudge. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's funny sometimes internally. Like, oh, well, you know, you'll find out soon enough. Um, but you, you can't, you can't be, I keep abusing it as like a formal word, but you can't be an intelligence agent and, you know, be unable to sit on secrets. True. So, it takes a special kind. So... Uh, You've done 101 episodes now by the time this goes up, presumably. Uh, what? Do you have anything special planned for the immediate future, or are you just going to keep rolling? Dan? Well, we, we just actually recorded our 101, and one of the things that we've realized is 
we're both playing in an online tournament, and uh, so we're we're going to talk about our game in in each episode since the tournament's going to last six weeks. Um, after after we each play, we'll just have a little chat about that. That's something interesting and new, um, and we can give some commentary about how the one on, the, the online playing is go. And I know Rogue is playing in a one e tournament, so he'll be using Lackey kind of for the first time. So I'm I'm, I'm interested to hear that as well. Yeah, um, Rogue and Dan have started coming with me to Santa Barbara too, so that's a whole another kind of you know per episode report as well that we have. So we have one from San Diego, one from Santa Barbara, and then one for online or two for online, right? Yeah, we did we did three reports today. One we had because uh, two weeks ago we had San Diego, and then we had Santa Barbara this weekend, and then we had a report from Iowa that came in on our wire that we've been uh, kind of been in a holding pattern to uh, to report on the show but uh, and so we got to report that this week so you know, yeah plenty of material now. good and there's yeah. the always out on the horizon you know this this mythical live recording you know at a big tournament that we want to try but we can figure out how to do the technology right yeah even if it is um, uh, you know short delay where we just record it and post it you know, right away, uh, and not necessarily live streaming, but, you know, fairly quick. Uh, I think we definitely, we've talked about it and is, are fairly sure that we want to send one or the other or both of us to uh, to the big events this year um, and do podcasting direct from, from Worlds and from Continentals. So one last question I have for you guys, you know, all four of you. How how do you feel that your show and talking about your local tournaments and and what you're playing and what you're playing against uh, affects other players in other regions or is it do you not get any feedback along those lines? Every once in a while, I'll see someone post something. You know, so they talked about this on section thirty one. So I tried it and it worked, or it failed miserably, and I hate them. Um, so. <laughs> We'll get something like that. I don't. It's. I, I feel like our. Well, now it's a little bit changing now that we've got Santa Barbara. But I felt like our our San Diego meta was very much an island. Um, we played differently than everyone else. You know, we're not we're not the Jersey group. We're not the Minnesota group. We're not you know the Germans or any other group, um, or the Australians. So I I always wondered if, you know, what we do is, the same as what other groups do and how we play and how competitive we are because we're it's San Diego we're, we're pretty laid back and at the end of the day if we all had a good time it's a good tournament if if someone just destroyed everyone yeah that's not as much fun and you know it's not as much fun to talk about so it's hard to say I I, I, I hope that our talk about things like tribbles <laughs> has gotten a lot more people playing tribbles and it looks like that <laughs> That's always and that's just such a, a laid back kind of San Diego kind of end to a tournament. I'm I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, I think um, I, like we we've said this a couple of times over different uh, after a hundred and and then here and and so forth. But uh, we sometimes wander or forget or or start to doubt whether or not you know anybody actually listens to the show or you know more than our parents or immediate family members listen to the show or. Or whatnot, but uh, uh, the posting that uh, the thread, you know, just asking for ideas and and 
even during that process, we got lots of ideas to talk about, but we also got lots of, you know, I don't have anything, but thanks for, for doing the show. We, we love listening to it, or I love this idea I got, or, you know, I always love hearing different ideas or seeing that people I, uh, that people have the same ideas I do or, or whatever. And even after the show posted, uh, we, we got further replies to that thread, um, just commenting on the show. So it was kind of a, a huge affirmation to just, you know, keep me going. Uh, so, you know, if, if, uh, even if uh, one out of every uh, one one listener uh, off of every show gets something that that's interesting for them to take off and try, then, then that's that's great. I know that uh, I've been approached in the chat room before and in, in uh, private messages because um, you know I, I regularly attend the tournaments here and we talk about those tournaments. And if Dan was playing something, or if I was playing something, or if Rogue was, or Matt. Uh, We'll go and post our decks, and then people, you know, hey, Thomas, what did you do here? Hey, Dan, Dan's 80-card Cardassian deck, or, you know, however big it was, you know, what was he doing? Did you play it? You know, how did he play it? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, well, we, we go and talk about it, and then we post it, and then, you know, I, I think that the ideas do do kind of, you know, disseminate into the community pretty well. So I, I think, you know, for strategy and stuff like that, uh, people do listen. People do listen and take something away from it. Matt, what and about it's you? Fun, it's fun to see the uh, the spoilers that we give out show up on the uh, the spectacular card list. That's always great to see. Yeah, yeah. Especially when we screw something up. <laughs> Matt, how about you? you getting drops. Matt, Kurt? I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't have any comment on that. Fair enough. All right, hang on one second, folks. My connection just not liking four people. I'm I'm surprised it's been working as well as it has, to be honest. Uh, honestly, me too. So uh, yeah, they all sound great. All right, gents, let's let's uh, talk about the game upon which our podcasts are based. Uh, there has been a lot of controversy lately, but but rather than get into that. Today, actually, when we're recording this on Monday night, we posted the 1E and 2E regional virtual promos, and I would like to know what you guys think of those, and if you think they'll be popular, or if there were better choices out there. So, what are the promos, Dan, since you're our assembly man? Well, for 1E, it's Defiant Dedication Plaque, which I might take some partial credit for, because I think if that was on my short list... When I when I uh, when I posted some suggestions, uh, it's a card that I know I only have one of, and I only ever had one of, and I want uh, more of. And it's a great card for many decks because you can fetch your. It's a captain's order, and it's it, it works really well. Um, the picture is fantastic. I, the uh, the idea of taking it from the mirror episode of of uh, of, of Enterprise was great. I like the, the addition to the lore on there. That's that's perfect. Um, the the Enterprise J I think was another great choice. I think it was kind of controversial because originally, uh, in conversations apparently that didn't involve the art team, there was like, well, well, we want to do this, but there's no way we can because there's no good picture. Um, and then Johnny said, "Hey, there you go," and it, it's beautiful. I can't wait to see that on their on our foil paper. Because it's just so bright and all the different colors, it's gonna be fantastic. 
I, I think they're two great cards that people want multiples of, especially the Enterprise J, because if you've got it, you use, you use it in multiple so you can get out early. You use it across multiple decks. I think they're two great choices, and I think they're universal enough to go in a lot of different decks, and that's what you want in a regional promo, right? Absolutely. TK, what about you? The question again? What do you think of Defiant Dedication Plaque in Enterprise J as the regional promos for 2011? Good choices? Were there better choices? No, I, I definitely think... Well, when I think of virtual promos, I think of hard-to-get cards that some communities don't have access to. And I, and I think these are two great candidates to, to spread out, you know, to people. Um, I don't think I've ever used Enterprise J in deck before, but, uh, the fine dedication plaque I have, and I've seen a lot of trading for it locally, at least. Um, so I, I, I know both are widely popular. I know, I know Rogue uses the J all the time. <laughs> um, I like the pictures. I like that it's a regional prize. Um, and, and I think it goes a lot, a long way to appeasing the, uh, the reprinters. I've been talking a lot about that on the board. But, uh, you know, there's the, there's the group of players that, uh, feel that everything should be reprintable. And I, I think, um, this is one of the cards that kind of, uh, bolstered that argument. So now that we're putting that out there, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think both are good choices. So, TK said that you use the Enterprise J a lot, Rogue. Uh, good call for a regional promo? Absolutely. I think this is a great idea. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, uh, just so that I will have, uh, I mean, well, I'll get one for regionals, but eventually it's going to be printable. That'll make it, uh, I can finally have more than the three and put them in, <laughs> I can stop switching them between decks. Um, I think it's a, it's a great card to, to, uh, promote the 40 points, uh, 40, 40 point missions. It's, it's always a yeah. quick target for, a for destruction. So it's nice to have multiple copies in the deck to get it out quickly and to keep playing it when it gets blown up. Uh, I think it'll be a very popular choice and, and DDP too. That's a, uh, for one E that's, I cannot think of a better choice. And, uh, my only qualm with it was, you know, how are you going to find an AI for that? So that was, I agree with Dan, that was inspired. Um, DS9 being such a hard set to get these days, um, uh, I think that's great. I don't think I play with a deck that does not have that in it. Well, I'll tell you what, it was, uh, you guys spoiled last week that there's a, a tactic-based reprint coming, and there happens to be three or four extra slots to get it to line up on a page, right? So we're like, what can we reprint? And, and everybody who, who we asked was like, find dedication plaque. Everybody asked. And so <laughs> it, it was originally in that in that block, in that expansion. And then we found that awesome AI for it that, that's on the card now, the, the Mirror Darkly Defiant. And we had decided that, that this is a reprint expansion, so it's like Identity Crisis instead of like Homefront. It's not, all the tactics are not AIs, they're normal images. We're like, man, I really want to do alternate image for this card. So, like, we put one AI in this expansion and then make it work. And, and at the time, the first choice for our regional promo had sort of a 
yellow flag from the rules committee in that I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but there's a possibility that there's something wrong with this. And the last thing we want to do is print a promo that we have to turn around and errata. So sure. we just said, well, screw it. Let's just make the de defiant dedication plaque, the promo, and then we can use this awesome AI for it and put something else in the, in the tactics expansion. So there's a fun little behind the scenes story for everybody. But Matt, you are the original director of organized play and, and instrumental in setting up many of the policies that were used by Decipher and continued by the continuing committee, including our virtual promos. Would, what are your thoughts on, on the print everything versus slowly roll out print debate? And, and has your position changed with time since you were the OP director? Uh, that's kind of a large question. It, um, it absolutely is. <laughs> well, um, geez, I don't even know how to attack that. Um, well, st start with a simple, sh there's a, a large contingent of people that want every card to be made printable in both editions right now. Right. Should we do that? In your Could opinion. Should we? Should we, in your opinion. Just flip a switch and everything's printable. Setting aside technical limitations, is that something that we should do right now? <sighs> uh, well, I mean, I know I'm just one voice, but I say yes. I mean, the 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 ability to play this game should not be limited by the cards that somebody owns. Now, the the I mean the, that has a, such a huge implication for you know not just the, the tournament scene because all of a sudden you know now you make every deck available to everyone as opposed to just whoever's collected the cards to go along with this um, you know the, the, the deck type if it's especially rare intensive or um, out of a set that doesn't have any things uh, any, you know a lot available but um, you're also devaluing cards once you do that because if you can only get a card in a set and you know a card has held its value and now it's re now you can reprint it in tournaments but now it's uh, you know, it loses some of its value because now tournament players don't need it anymore. Now it's just left to the collectors. Um, so, <laughs> as uh, as simple of a question as it just sounds like, it's definitely not and has wide-ranging implications. I mean, not just for people, you know, selling cards on eBay or whatever, but I mean, for even the retailers who still have some of the physical product, I mean, you're talking about devaluing a box where somebody could get, could have got 60 bucks for um, what you leave behind it, and all of a sudden you say, hey, everything from that set is reprintable now, and, you know, the, the value would drop significantly, in my opinion. Um, so I think the compromise was, well, we want we want people to be able to not we want we want to be able to not have this be a limiting factor for some of the cards but not all of them 
Um, so that's why we did missions first, because that was enough of a um, clear... I mean, there weren't any rare missions. We had some we had some promo missions, like Genesis Planet, but that was enough of a you know, let's let's see that let's try this and find out. And, you know, that was taken very well and um so I the way that the way that it, the continued is handling it now as far as um slowly getting those really big power cards into the pool by way of um, limited promos that are going to be printable in a year, it allows people who are, you know, um, relying on the value of that card to um, stay at some significant value. It allows them to, you know, trade out for other things that um, are that they think might hold their value better. Um, and it also allows those people that... Um, you know, the tournament players to really start going after, I mean, it's a great encouragement to go out to events now that you can go out and get this card that, you know, is so, uh, so rare. But the other thing that that, that is negatively done is, is <laughs> some of some players who come from the tournaments will sell their foils on eBay or whatever. And, um, and that's not what exactly what, you know, the organized play ever wanted to happen, but, you know, that's just a consequence of having something that's valuable as one of your prizes. Of course, that you run the risk of somebody trying to sell on you, but... Um, I, I will say that that rarely happens. The, the people who get them tend to either keep them or trade them. Uh, I, I haven't seen too many virtual foils on eBay since that first... That, that, the re that was happening, and that's the reason why you have to run a tournament before you can buy a tournament kit. Right. Because there were people who were getting the tournament kits and then just eBaying the, the, the virtual foils. So, unfortunate, but... Well, it's not... I mean, it's not entirely unpredictable. I mean, if you have something that's valuable in a community, somebody's going to want to sell it. I mean, that's... There's opportunity for profit in there, and, you know, every trick player who's watched any of the Frankie episodes know that, you know... <laughs> That's uh, that's what you do when you have a good when you have a good opportunity. So, um, but I, I I think the, the methodology that the OP is taking now to get some of those high value cards into the pool. Um, I, when I was when I was director, the the goal was always we're going to run out of physical cards at some point. It's not going to be this year, it's not going to be next year, but if we're talking about long term and we're talking about 10 years down the road, there's not going to be anything left to buy. All the packs will be open, so how do we get new players at that point? And that's where you start talking about, okay, well, how do we gradually go over to a system where people can print their cards? And you know, we started seeing it, and this is just another step in that process, is we get those high-value cards reprintable um, eventually, and so then it's less objectionable when we say, okay, well, we've already done promos of the 15 most popular cards from this set, um, and now we're just going to flip the switch on everything else, and so now you can print this set, because there's none of it left anywhere. We've confirmed there's none of it left anywhere, so the only 
way to get physical cards would be third party um, or eBay or whatever. And, you know, it's been five, ten, whatever, how many years since it's been released. The opportunity for selling these cards has been out there long enough, so now we're just going to, if we're going to continue to make the game, we're just going to say, okay, here we go. How about the rest of you guys? What do you think about the whole... And we could do an entire show going an hour, an hour and a half, debating printable versus non-printable, but you know, wh where do you guys stand on it? Rogue? I would say that uh, our group is is diverse enough and has enough of a collection that no player really needs to print their own cards. But to show up at a tournament with a surprise deck where you didn't have to borrow cards from another player is is something that's 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 neat and I think we should have I know we have at least one new player who brings printed cards because that's what he's got and you know we 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 let it slide because we'd rather have him as a player and have him play what decks he wants than than not than have him not show up because he doesn't have the cards at a at a high level event I think you can you know, barter and trade and get what you need to go. But I think at local events, I don't think it's that much of an issue. Yeah, that's pretty much what, what I was thinking. I, I think, uh, you know, the only thing I would think would be to, you know, if you wanted to make things printable at a local level and then not at a high level, that's just, then that just becomes an argumentative policing issue. But, but, it's it's almost what people do already, I think. Uh, and, you know, if you're in a player group that is trying to encourage players to play and new players to come in and play, it's almost impossible to play without <clears throat> some level of printed cards. And you know, if if as a as a play group, you just need to kind of hand wave the fact that somebody's deck is is printed while they get into the game and get a chance to get co you know copies of cards and instead of you know, having to have somebody build them a deck every week, then that's what you do. I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't I don't think we're at a point right now where yet where everything is be reprintable. Um, I go on eBay and I see boxes for eight or ten dollars. You know, you divide that by thirty packs. That's, that's, you know, 30 cents a pack, something like that. You can go on eBay and see rares for 50 cents. You know, there's lot, lots of online trading going on. Uh, yeah, I, I do like the idea if you're, if you're trying to get a new player into the game, you know, the first one or two or three tournaments, they can print the deck. But then where, where do you draw the line at that? And it becomes a crutch and just say, hey, why do I have to go buy cards or if I can just keep reprinting my deck? You know, printing out my deck. There's no incentive there to go to go purchase cards. And at this point, um, I still think they're relatively cheap enough um, to go out and buy. So uh, to get to put there in the game, yeah, I can see that. But you know, I, I feel like it's becoming more and more of a you know, why should I go buy cards if I can just print? And, and I think ultimately, you know, like our like our sponsor who sells cards, you know, how much longer would they want to be our sponsor for actively promoting, not buying from them, and just printing your own? So, 
So to get the person in the game, I I think I think uh, it's good, but then I think it's bad in the long run because it's still readily available. Yeah, and there's something to be said for you know if you're if once we've got that player hooked, if they start dropping money on the game, they're they're a little bit more invested and they might hang around longer. I don't know if that that's true, but it it sounds like something that would be you know something to look at. But, yeah, I 100% agree on that. That's that's a proven it's a proven principle of at least other CCGs. I mean, it's it's part of the reason Magic's intro decks are so much cheaper for what you get than packs. So I don't know if how much it applies to a, a game like us where there's no pack purchases required left, but the 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 long and short of it is. Even if all the stars aligned and all of the problems that we face about printing went away, there would still be financial and technical challenges in the way. Not insurmountable ones, but as long as there are, are, you know, 15 reasons why not to do it. I mean, it would take right now a significant amount of manpower and energy to make all the cards printable. And that would seem to be counterproductive to our organization at this time. And and, I, and this is something we could, like I said, we could do an entire hour or two just debating back and forth on this. But I just, I really wanted to just get, you know, a couple reasons out there and get your guys' feel for it. And one of the other things I wanted to get your feel for is Extreme Measures, which came out last week or like two weeks ago, I guess now. Uh, what do you think of this expansion? How is it affecting you guys' play out there in Southern California? I think TK is the only one who's actually played a full-on Extreme Measures deck so far. Yeah, I uh, played the new Bajoran Resistance uh, last Saturday. I think I was the only one who played the Extreme Measures deck at that tournament too, right? I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just curious, you know, because the whole... Um, you know, similarities that people were talking about between that Equinox. And, and, uh, I don't think they're too bad. I didn't, actually, in all four games, I really didn't use, uh, too many of the abilities. Um, I was doing a two mission win with the new mission and, um, acquire illicit explosives. And then I was just battling twice with two, just like old times. Uh, using Day, was it Day Kanu? I believe once, and then and then uh, just like old times by itself the second time, so for 35 points and bonus points and then mission points for the rest. And um, the one card that really stuck out to me the most in that entire you know series of new cards was the was the rifle, the Bajoran resistance rifle. And let me tell you, getting to add um, uh, I forget what it is like strength to integrity or cunning is a big, big plus. That's almost like attempting with another person, in a way, you know? Yeah. And uh, it saved me from where no one has gone before, like three or three times or so, two to three times. Um, getting to add that, you know, it's great for uh, guests who's coming to dinner, um, just cards that require high cunning or high integrity to get past. It's, it's just great. I love it. Um, uh, and, I, and I use the... The one personnel's ability, the, the one downloads and interrupts. Sir Macaren, yeah. 
He's good. Yeah, he's the, he's probably the best one in the team. Yeah, yeah. I used him for Covenant, and I used him for uh, Natural Instincts, which Natural Instincts I use a lot because I don't think any Resistance people have diplomacy at all or intelligence, and and I, so I, I I use that a lot actually. Um, but other than that, you know, like the Pharrell, I used I might have used Order like once. Um, I mean, it seems like they can do a lot, and there's a lot of ability in there, like Kira and stuff like that. But I really didn't end up using any of it. Um, I, I was using the, the five cost Kira. Um, I think she came out a set ago. Yeah. Um, the one that lets you switch out a resistance personnel. If a resistance personnel dies. Um, I used her. I was tossing her with Odo and then bringing her back with, uh, with, with, uh, Opaka. But other than that, I really didn't use any other stuff. It was just more mission solving and the rifle. Rifle's great, I can't say enough about that. Uh, but that was it. I mean, it's it's pretty well like I like I was saying in the chat room, you know, there's some inherent problems like the range of the ship. Um no no real event destruction if um, the ship gets hit with a few minor difficulties that Rogue was talking about. Um other than that, um, I had fun with it. It's definitely fun. It's new. You know, it's competitive. Good to hear. I'm sorry? I said good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Dan, how about you? Any extreme measures, cards that have you looking to build a new deck? You know, I've got a block. There's there's so much in this set that I don't know where to start, and that, that's really... It's really stopping me from drop, jumping in. I don't know. I don't know why. The same thing happened when Necessary Evil came out, um, which you know it's very similar to. There's just so many different things to try. I I, I haven't yet wrapped my head around it. Um, I'm playing in this online tournament where I have to use ten cards, and I think it's going to be mostly bumless because I just can't can't do it. <laughs> I'm sure as I play, you know, a couple affiliations to throw one or two in. Or try the Bajoran deck. It might it might work its way in, but it's going to take a little while. I'm going to have to play against it and, and figure it out slowly. Matt, did uh, anything in Extreme Measures pique your interest? There are two cards that I'm looking at <clears throat> I'm trying to break in the next month or so. One of them I tried last Saturday and didn't work very well, but it's... Um, it's one of those that you look at at first and you're like, why would I ever use this card? Um, it's a flaw in the plan. I was using it to, um, I was using it with, with a Terragnor discard deck um, to, I would, pl I would play my cheap dissidents after I got Jake out, Nicky Mill stuff, and then I'd use it to kill for the cheap dissidents and then play them again the next turn and they can know more. Um, and then I do interview darkly to do the whole thing all over again. Um, but I mean, it's, it's along those same lines as like using surveying in the world to get rid of those guys so that you get the cool, you know, coming into play abilities. Um, so I can see it being really effective with, um, another type of deck that had a lot of those, like maybe the, the TOS, um, the, the, the upgrade guys um, would have a lot of that. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on that one. And uh, the other one was um, TK 
showed me when we were playtesting for Saturday, and I read that card, and I was just like, wow, I want to put this guy in every deck I ever build from now on, and it's Croton, because he's basically like a free guy. Um, because you either get to play him for basically free and play your next card for minus four, the four that you paid for him, or you get five points and then you can turn around and do have a cost and get seven more points anyway. So, and he's a thief and, and he's not aligned, so he goes in every deck. So, um, before, um, a couple of weeks ago, I played a Ferengi artifact deck that was using, um, Harad sorry to get out a bunch of thieves, and then I was using um, a mirror cork to eat the coming into play guys, put them under the bus, and spend two extra counters. So, like, I was eating uh, Vosh because she would draw me cards and put something back, and then I'd throw on her and play her again. Um, and so, he just fits perfectly into that. Um, he's really, really, really good. So, yeah, I'm looking, for, I'm looking at those two cards. How about you, Rogue? Well, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, I certainly got uh, got spanked by uh, the launching this weekend. That was uh, unfortunate. So uh, this is a card that I looked at and thought it might be good, and I just put it in, and then I cut it the last minute. Uh, a copy of the launching and a copy of uh, One Step Ahead, and then uh, unfortunately, androids are all about uh, adding skills, not having skills. And uh, I had already added all my skills by the time I got to the launching, and I got stonewalled with it twice. Um, helped me to to uh, a timed win. Um, so that definitely showed off some power. I, I definitely got to, got saw a dilemma. I saw I got a lot of use in in the most games I played this weekend, which was uh, coolant leak. Yeah, coolant leak is uh, yeah, good card. Pretty uh, pretty good. I, I I was glad nobody actually played it on me. I was when I was kind of test drawing against myself. I realized, wow, hey, look, every personnel I have in play at the moment as engineer. That's not good. Uh, but you know, it's good against that. It was good against. Uh, I guess uh, TV was playing a a TOS smiley deck, so lots of engineers and and uh, free ships, but uh, but stopped people. And then uh, a couple of cadet decks running around that didn't like it too much, so. I think I'm definitely going to have to go hunting for another copy of that in my virtual pile to to uh, to add to my deck. Um, as far as the the more affiliated cards, um, I think I'm interested in playing the uh, the Romulans, uh, Dinatra, and and uh, my patience has limits. I, I think I'd like to try building. Building a new Romulan deck, and I, somehow, some way, I always end up playing Dissidents when I play Romulans, uh, and so it's been a long time since I played genuine Romulans. But but the I think I'd like to try them together. Yeah, I was really disappointed that the new Denatra didn't have Dissident, but I guess you know <laughs> that should just be awesome. So couldn't, couldn't oh, God, that'd be crazy. Well, well, I can tell you that was debated quite a bit between Brad and I, and then one or two of the playtesters, but. Uh, Dinatra at the beginning is a dissident because she's working with Shinzon to, you know, overthrow the legitimate Romulan government. And at the end, she's sort of returned her loyalties back to Romulus and away from Shinzon. So she, she's no longer a dissident at the end when she's helping, 
the Enterprise attack the Scimitar. So that was the that it would have been really, really, really good if she was, but there is a story justification for her not being a dissident. But I, that's probably more of a she'd be really over the top if she's a dissident, but yeah. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, as is tradition, do you have any questions for me? And it's okay if you don't. I would like to know when the Earth icon is going to be removed from those TOS <laughs> Uh, I'm not the person to talk to about that. <laughs> On the Federation Kelpo as well. Yes. Um, I think that's that's definitely on the list, toward the top of the list of the things I would do if I had a time machine. Uh, first to go back and tell Warren not to trust Rick, what's his name? Uh, oh, yeah. That would be the number one on the list. Uh, but up up in the top five would be, seriously, don't prank these guys with Earth icons because it's going to screw the game up for like six years. Um, I don't know if, I think at this point we're kind of committed to it. I don't know if we can go back and take it off, but Kirk is annoying and I would like him to go away. <laughs> so I can't answer your question. I, I don't know the future and I'm, I don't have, yeah, I, I could suppose if I wanted to, I could just be like, you're out of this card and bang my gavel, but I like to be more judicious than that. I would, uh, I would like to to ask you: Is there any plans to include more triples related things on the main navigation page or on the main, you know, front page? Uh, it's it's a matter of finding a way to put triples on there in a way that doesn't look tacked on. Uh, once we can figure out a way to do that and actually not have 8 million projects on our list that are more important than that, uh, yes, that's a goal to get triples up on the front page. But every way that we've, we've talked about doing it, it looks terrible. So we need to try and figure that out. But, you know, Johnny's super busy and Chris is super busy and I'm super busy and we have other things that we need to do. So I love triples. Don't get me wrong. It's just when we go to do the front page, revamp next. We'll, we'll, I'll make sure that that gets done. So. That's all I got. Hey, uh, what do you got on the docket for Origins this year? Well, we're going to run uh, at least one tournament. Uh, it'll be outside of the convention, so you won't have to get a badge or anything, but you'll be able to play. We ran it in the food court last year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'd like to really do maybe a double header this year and do a 1E tournament and a 2E tournament. It's really just going to depend on who can make it from the locals and who's coming in out of town and, and what their schedule is going to be. But I, I think the tentative plan is to do uh, a couple tournaments on Saturday afternoon and then, of course, some triples. So. Sounds good. We'll be there. Indeed. All right. I guess I have a... Since you blindsided me with some huge implication question, I'll return the favor. Um, do you think that given the fact that the card pool is doing nothing but expanding now and it's getting hard to track interactions, do you think we'll get some kind of uh, type 2 or other limited type of format that will uh, rival or even uh, replace uh, standard as a format for second edition? Wow, that is a heck of a question. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I, the set rotation thing has been brought up a lot. And we, I've talked about it, I think, on either Section 31 or, or one of the previous, might have been the Nationals Q&A show, but it's it's really hard to put set rotation into a game that isn't that was not designed to do it. Uh, I mean, if you guys remember, Lord of the Rings implemented set rotation, and it was one of the one of the things that caused players to leave the game in droves. Um, you know, if you rotate Premier out, you're, you can't play. You know, six affiliations all of a sudden, and then you either have to reprint a bunch of cards, or which is redoing work, or you know, bend the rules around that. So, I mean, at some point. We will need to create a a competitive limited format, and and at one point, virtual was was looking like it might replace that, and now I think um, academy might be a nice replacement option. I mean, I think for the foreseeable future, the the big the big competitions are always going to stay standard, um, you know. But if we do get to a point where it's too hard to test interactions and this and that, you know, we got to figure that problem out. And I really don't know. Maybe we, maybe we do something like we start producing virtual sets and blocks and have a, a virtual block constructed format. I, I don't know. I really don't know how to answer that question, but you know, it's the fact that we're only putting out, you know, a hundred cards a year definitely prolongs the time before we really have to worry about it. If we were still putting out, 400 cards a year like Decipher was doing, uh, it'd be tougher. Well, all right, gentlemen, thank you for being on the show and taking your time to stay up late and uh, tell us a little bit about the history of your awesome podcast. Dan, tell us where people can listen to your podcast if they're not already. If you're not already, uh, you can find us on iTunes by searching for Section 31. Or you can go to danhammond.com slash section31. I think it's www.danhammond.com slash section31. There's a link to it at the bottom of the trekcc.com homepage. And I will, I will both work, actually, but I will link it in the show notes. And I will say that we are working on a new podcast section of the front page, of the, the page of the site, I should say, so that you'll be able to get all of the Star Trek podcasts uh, from one central location and grab all the feeds from the same place. So look for that here in the near future. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having thank us, Charlie. Thanks. All right, and we will catch you all next week. Talking so 